Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where truth is shared, taboos are disrupted, secrets are revealed, and power is gained. I'm your host, Danny Tamras, and it is my personal mission to empower women in becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, I'm bringing you inspiring guests to help you build your confidence and mental toughness so that you can live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the next episode of the Fearless Warrior Podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Rogers. Sarah is an accomplished business executive with two decades of experience in the financial services industry. In this episode, we talk about climbing the career ladder, price of success, health, rising strong through challenges, and more. This is another incredibly moving and inspiring episode. This is Danny Temras, your host. It's my role to uncover the winning strategies of successful entrepreneurs, athletes, business professionals, you name it, to help you build mental toughness and resilience so that you can break your, through your limiting beliefs, shift from procrastination to execution, and finally live the life of your dreams. My guest for today's show is Sarah Rogers. Sarah is the founder and CEO of Empower Change NYC, a coaching company to help women rise up in their career wellness, and life overall. Previously, Sarah has spent over two decades as an executive director at the top financial institutions, where she has led mergers and acquisitions, and she still continues to do so today. Sarah advises corporate clients across multiple industries on driving business transformation, implementing and managing change, strategy, and more. As a career and wellness coach, Sarah deeply cares about helping people manage change and successfully go through challenging situations or transitions in life. Sarah and I met through a startup accelerator program in New York City, and what started as a mentoring relationship has grown into a great friendship. Sarah, I'm so glad you're on the show today. Thank you for taking the time. Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I know you grew up in Maine. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that and what was it like to grow up there with your family? You know, I got to tell you, Maine is beautiful. You hear stories about, oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful from June through October. Um, but otherwise, you're dealing with either snow or mud. But, you know, for me, it was a place to develop, to grow. You know, we talk a lot about career, and I know we'll get into that. But I really found the opportunities here for me to be great up until a certain point, And then it was time for me to move. But, you know, Maine... It just allows you to have outdoor space. It's overall just very healthy. In this COVID time, I actually find myself back in Maine, and it's been an adjustment, but I'm getting there and slowly learning to adjust. It's great. It's not, and it's nice to be with family as well. Amazing. Speaking of big changes, right? This year has been quite a, <laughs> quite a change for everybody. So I'd love yes. to go back to your decision to going back to Maine and, and spending more time with your family literally on throughout, throughout this interview, but let's start from the beginning. So you grew up in Maine. You also have a big family yourself. And then at some point you, you decided to move to New York City. So tell us more about that. Sure. So I'm the oldest of five. My folks had me young and I've got three younger brothers and a, young, a younger sister. And 
I stuck around. I stayed in Maine and I grew up working. Um, my first merger and acquisition was in 1999 and it was for a company called Unum, which then became Unum Provident. Now it's gone back to Unum. But I started working with them in the late 90s and then I went to work for a company some of you will know by the name of People's Heritage Bank which later became TD Bank. So I spent over a decade working with them. And I have to be honest, going through the politics, and I traveled for so many years working on the M&A side with them and in the project management space and change management space. And as I was approaching 40, you know, I went through a really bad divorce. And as I was approaching 40, I got to the point where I'm like, you know, I feel stuck. I feel stale. I needed to do something different. But I didn't know what that was. And I thought, you know, let's do a career change. Let's see what's out there. And just before I turned 40, I had a company out on the West Coast, a small regional bank, which was owned by a large global parent uh, company, bank by the name of Union Bank. They asked me to come out there, move to Los Angeles. Never been to LA before. It was pretty scary. My first nephew was on his way. Hadn't met him yet. And, you know, I had a house here in Maine. And it was really hard to say, you know, I'm just going to walk away from everything that I'm comfortable with, everything that I knew, my family, my siblings, and move all the way across the country. I'm not sure I could have picked a further city to move to. And I packed up and moved just before I turned 40 all the way across the country to Los Angeles, hoping to do what I could for Union Bank that I did for TD for over a decade in the merger and acquisition space. And I've been out there about six weeks. And my boss came to me and said, well, we need you on the super secret project. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) what's going on? He's like, well, we just need you in New York for a couple of weeks. And I said, sure, you know, I'll go work with the parent bank and uh, we just need you to help with some of the the Dodd-Frank stuff. So uh, making sure that, you know, you can be Dodd-Frank compliant globally, especially in the U.S. And I said, okay, you know, put me on a plane. So a year and a half later, I'd been commuting between New York and L.A. for just over a year understanding more and more about who I was and what I could add as the most value for the company. I said, you know, I I think it's time for me to be in New York. You know, I'm really not, I'm not in the office in LA. I love living out here, but guys, I think New York needs me more. So, you know, they said, okay, great. So they moved me across the country, moved me to New York. And I never envisioned myself living in New York City. I thought, you know, everybody has the impression of New York and, oh, it's busy and people are grumpy and people are mean and it's busy, busy, busy and et cetera, et cetera. And it took me about six months to adjust, I have to admit. Um, (laughs) It was a huge adjustment period. You go from, you know, I grew up in Maine, as we talked about, and I had a car and I had a house (laughs) and it was very different. You know, it would be a, you know, an hour just to go to the grocery store and get what you needed and come back. And in New York, there's a grocery store or market on every corner. You had to learn to survive without a car and public transportation. And I was in culture shock. Moving to LA was one thing. Moving to New York was a whole nother ballgame. And that for me, it was a great learning experience. But I got to tell you, I was a little bit nervous. I was afraid. I wasn't sure I could do it. And then on top of that, to be working for this global bank that I was like, okay, you know, I learned to deal with the Canadian culture and a lot of the politics there, but then to be really thrust into a very heavy Japanese culture was also making me a little bit nervous. So that's how I ended up in New York. And here we are almost eight years later. Um, I find myself back in Maine, um, thankfully, because of the virus, which has been an equally challenging transition but absolutely enjoyed my time there. And who knows, someday maybe I'll be back at least to visit. So, 
This was such a great introduction, and there are so many questions I want to ask. So I'm really curious about your move to LA, right? So you mentioned that you were scared to a certain point, right? You didn't know what to expect. Like, how was it to make that decision and then going through with it? Uh, well, it's funny. My mom will always say to me, you are my strong-willed oldest child. You are very independent. Um, and I thought, okay, <laughs> I can do this. So it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And I wish I'd gone to visit first. I probably wouldn't have changed my mind, but I wish I knew a little bit more of what I was walking into. It was different. It was leaving everything I was familiar, my family, my geographic location, and my work environment. And I didn't expect how much of an impact leaving those three things at the same time was going to have on me. I found myself out there with very few friends, to be honest, a bit of a challenging culture. And then trying to learn about a new bank and new systems where I'd come from something that I'd helped build over a decade. And so those three things combined left me feeling a bit challenged and overwhelmed. Um, you know, I moved in September and I turned 40 in December. And I remember just thinking, I just want to sleep. All I wanted to do was sleep. Uh, I think at that point, I probably gotten off a plane from New York and probably took the weekend off. But it was, um, it was a lot for sure. Wow. It seems like that your job was very busy. It was keeping you very busy. And that was probably also an effect of how the transition was turning out for you. So how do you respond to that? I think what it did, I've, I've always worked very hard and I've struggled with the work hard, play hard kind of mentality. I've always been challenged with balance. And I don't think you can ever achieve a perfect sense of balance. There's going to be an ebb and flow, but I always worked really hard and I didn't take the time for me and figure out, you know, what I enjoy doing. I always did what I needed to do, what was expected. And so all that move did for me was further augment my identifying with work and how my personality, it changed a little bit where I was only as good as the work I was doing in my job. Wow. It just reinforced that. And you know, when you're on a plane every week or every other week, you don't have a lot of downtime to actually do things you enjoy. Um, so that was kind of the start of further augmenting that, that lack of, of being able to balance and really recognizing that's what it was. This is such a hard thing for, for all of us to manage, right? Finding the right balance. And I totally agree with you. I don't think there is a such thing as, as balance. I definitely, I am signing up more for the idea of work-life integration and then <laughs> making enough time for the things you enjoy and then balancing things out as you go forward. But one of my coaches, he says, well, there is no such thing as balance. Right. When you die, well, yes, there will be zeros on both end, right? Or maybe that's not an exact quote, but basically if you're living, like either you're up or down, you know, it's constantly changing. Right. It's constantly changing. And especially when you really love what you do, I think that makes it sometimes even harder to be able to disconnect sometimes. Totally. And then speaking of ambitious overachievers, right? <laughs> And then if you if you are hustling hard, you already work a demanding job, then you're starting your side hustle. Yes, the demands are bigger, but then is it more fulfilling? Probably. That's why you keep doing it, right? That's right. And then we, we continuously learn, you know, how, how to make things better and make it more reasonable in terms of our commitments or how how do we how do we actually sustain ourselves and make it sustainable, right? Like when do we find a time for the exercise, for the right food and nutrition and all of that? So that's a never ending learning process. 
Yeah, I think it is. And and I like the word that you used, and I'll change it just slightly, finding the time. I'll challenge you and say, I don't think it's finding the time. I think it's making the time. Because you can Absolutely. always <laughs> do something different. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you've got to make the time to do this or you won't do it. And that's one big takeaway that I've had for sure. Totally. You know, there were a few other things that you mentioned and you talked about expectations and responsibilities and doing what was expected of you. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. You know, being, as I said, you know, oldest child and always being the, you know, the kind of the leader of the pack, so to speak. And I think I kind of grew up and as I grew into an adult and I always did the things I thought were expected, you know, I went to school. I studied hard. I went and got a job and I was I was the financially responsible one when I was married. I was the one really driving a lot of a lot of the changes. I always thought I had this idea, you know, I studied business in in undergrad and I thought, well, you know, when I have kids, so I'll graduate from undergrad and then I'll work for a couple of years and I want to take this career path where I can still work and have kids and I can do some travel and I can stay at home sometimes and I can have a flexible career. So by the time I turn 28, I'll have my first child. By the time I'm 30, I'll have my second child and maybe I'll have a third child, but then I can, you know, stay at home for three years and I can go back to work. And I thought that was good. And that's what it was expected. And I couldn't be just a career woman. I had to have everything. I had to have the family. I had to be the wife. I had to be the mother. I had to be the supportive partner. I had to be the career woman. I thought that is what was expected. And gosh darn it, that's what I was going to achieve because I didn't know any better. I didn't know. Hold on here. <laughs> let's let's think about this. It's tough. It is. And you're, you're probably not the only one, right? So many of us are raised with these expectations and we go through life that this is the path I should take. And then at some point we wake up and say, hold on, why am I on this path? Exactly. Tell us more about that moment. Like maybe when did you have that aha moment and maybe that wasn't exactly what you wanted to do? Well, it's it's funny because as I approached my 41st and 42nd birthday, uh, you know, as I was making the transition in a new company and geographically, and, you know, I was single. I, I was like, I wanted nothing to do with men. You know, I wasn't really a big dater ever. And as I moved to New York, you know, the whole, well, you have to be a managing director. And oh, if you're not a managing director, it's a high title in the banking environment. And oh, well, you know, you got to make managing director. And once you do that, you'll be okay. And oh, once you move to New York, you'll be okay. Things will be happy and uh, you'll be okay. And then I remember I'd been in New York about six months and I hadn't been feeling real well. I was tired, but yet I couldn't sleep. And I was eating, yet I kept losing weight. And I was on this cycle of working, you know, I was putting in consistent 12 hour days, I'd work, you know, some weekends, and I just wasn't feeling good. And finally, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I probably should go to the doctor for an annual checkup anyway. And so why don't I just do that? I'll find somebody and I'll just do that. And, you know, and then she'll just tell me to, you know, take a week off and rest and relax. And, you know, maybe I'm deficient in a vitamin and I'll be fine. And I remember I had gone in to see her and we talked, you know, the appointment was about, about an hour and about four hours later from the start of my appointment, I walked out of there and I remember her telling me I've never met with a patient this long <laughs> on the initial consult. And she said, I have a sneaking suspicion 
there's a lot going on that you just don't realize. And so I went through about six weeks of tests, you know, a lot of blood work. I'd never had as much blood taken out of my body at once, I think ever. And we did a whole bunch of testing. And I remember walking back into her office about six weeks later after my first appointment. And she looked at me and she said, I've never met anybody as sick as you. And I looked at her, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, you know, I'm tired, but you know, I'll, let's hurry up. I've got an hour because I've got to get back to this meeting. And as she said, sit down, <laughs> cancel your meeting. We need to talk. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And she looked at me and she said, your body is going into failure. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you're weeks away from your major organs starting to shut down. And she said, she went through the whole litany of <laughs> what was wrong with me. You know, I basically had gone into severe, they call it adrenal fatigue or adrenal failure. Um, I, I had, had no thyroid function. My estrogen levels were absolutely through the roof. And she said, you probably have uterine cancer or ovarian cancer. She's like, I've never seen this before. And she said, you're so far out of balance. She said, I'm going to pull you out of work. And I said, absolutely not. You can't do that. Are you kidding? I just made managing director. And so that for me was a wake up call. And she said, if you don't do something different, you're going to die. You know what? 42 year old wants to hear that. Wow. I've got literally goosebumps. Yes. Is, <laughs> I cannot imagine what it must have been like to sit in that chair and to listen to that. It was, I'm stronger than this. I've made it through more than this what the heck? <laughs> you know, I didn't really know what to do with it. But I thought, okay, I've got to do something different. And it took several months of some self reflection. And as I started to do things a little bit differently, physically, I also started to have this revelation mentally going, well, wait a minute, why am I doing this? You have no social life. You're working all the time you're frustrated at what you're doing. Is this really what you want the rest of your life to be like? Is this really worth it? Is this really what life is supposed to be like? And so it was that constant, it took me about a year to cycle through that and to go, wait a minute, I need to do something different. What does that look like? And it took me a long time to figure out what that looked like for me. Wow. So tell me when you met the doctor, what did you do afterwards or what were some actions that you took following that meeting? Well, there were actually several things that I did. The first thing I did is I did a cleanse. I had what is known as leaky gut, which is where the actual lining of your stomach and your intestines is leaking into your bloodstream. So toxins and things weren't getting filtered out properly. So my blood was starting to become unhealthy and it was, you know, it would circulate to your organs. It's I'm sure some doctor is going to correct me and say, well, that's not exactly it. But that's, in a sense, what was happening. I wasn't absorbing the nutrients. So my cells weren't getting what they needed to function. So everything was just becoming more and more toxic and not functioning healthily. So I did that. I went through 18 months of clean eating. They call it clean eating. So it was only organic foods, no dairy, no caffeine, no alcohol, no sugar, and no gluten. That was probably the gist of it. I, I'm not sure if I'm forgetting anything, but I went through that for 18 months and it physically started to clean up my body. I went through almost a year of progesterone injections to get my estrogen back down. 
Um, and for those women out there, through your monthly cycle, you've got a great balance of estrogen and progesterone. Well, my estrogen was so high that they had to give me so much progesterone for months before it would finally balance out my estrogen. I went through testing to make sure I didn't have cancer. Thankfully, I did not. And then I started on some steroids to help support my adrenal function. And then following that, I started to address the underfunctioning thyroid as well. So it took probably 18 months to go through that process to get my body physically back into a better spot so I wouldn't die, basically. Um, so my cells could uh, try to recover and I could do what was needed to become healthy again. That is quite an undertaking, right? To go through so many steps, but also for a very good reason, right? So you've invested a lot of time. You probably learned a lot of new things about your body, what keeps it healthy. Part of this healing recovery, I can imagine, is that you probably had a lot of thoughts on your own about how will this go? Like, this is such a big risk. And what was going on in your mind uh, early on? And how did you keep yourself strong? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, we've just talked through a lot of the physical changes, but I think it's equally important to mention all of those emotional and mental changes. Because I thought I was stronger. <laughs> I thought I could conquer anything. I thought, oh, I can do this. And I'll get healthy. Once my body gets healthy, I can just continue and keep doing and keep doing. But I had to recognize that I had to come to grips mentally with where I was as well and why I was doing what I was doing. And then I got to a point where I was like, this isn't how I want to feel anymore. This isn't where I want to be. Why am I doing this? <laughs> what at the end of the day is the end goal? And I don't want to dismiss the drive and how it's exciting to have a, a great career and it's exciting to be at work. And, you know, you've heard me say, I loved what I did and I still love what I do, but I had lost my why, my reason for doing what I was doing. And so I spent months figuring out why. And then I said, well, what do I want my why to be? What do I want my why going forward? That had to resonate with me first before I could take that next step. And, you know, by nature and by trade, I'm a planner. I like to plan. You don't run an acquisition off the back of a napkin, you know, it takes planning. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm, I, and I'm clearly risk averse as well. So, I, you know, I had to plan and I had to figure out what was next and how to manage through that transition and what that looked like, because I wasn't just going to up and quit. And I couldn't do that either. It took me so many months to decide to get up the courage to quit and what that looked like. And I remember in 2015, so about five years ago, I remember the doctor said, you need to take some time off of work. And I'm like, yeah, I've got like six weeks of vacation on the books. Yeah, I've got to do this at, at work, but then, you know, I'll take some time off. I'll take a week and I'll go somewhere. She's like, no, you need to take like three months. And I'm like, three months? What do you mean three months? And she's like, listen, you've done everything physically that you've needed to do. You're barely hanging on by a thread. And she said, you've gone and you've continued to work and work and work. And she said, you're still sick. You need to take some downtime or everything that we've just done is all for naught. And I remember her giving me a letter and she's like, I'm pulling you out of medical leave. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you need some time off. And it almost destroyed me because I'm like, I can't not work. 
you know, you don't, <laughs> all your listeners are like, oh, that would be great. You could take some time off. And I'm like, uh-uh. When you identify who you are with your career. So I didn't know who I was without my career. I didn't know who I was without being that managing director. I didn't have a clue. And I was frightened. I didn't know it at the time, but I was absolutely frightened to do that. Wow, this is just unbelievable. So let me just back up for for a minute. And then I want to spend some time on the identity crisis, right? Yeah. Because you were challenged to give up what you have loved, what you have spent decades doing and you've enjoyed. And now somebody's telling you, you got to stop. Otherwise, there's no, there's no way out. So if I understand this right, 18 months after you have done all of the healing, the cleansing on all of that, she was still telling you, hey, you've done all of this work, but you're still sick. Is that is that correct? It is. And she's like, you've done the work physically, but you haven't done the work mentally. Mm. And she's like, you've got to do both or else she said, your mental, your anxiety, all of this. She's like, you haven't addressed this. You've got to do this. As she said, or you're going right back to where you were. And she's like, you won't make it to 45. I didn't understand Hindsight, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and I fully believe that, but I didn't understand exactly what it was until I've gone through it. And it was a journey. You know, when she pulled me out of work, I was out of work for almost four months. But I knew at that point, I knew, <laughs> it's funny, I was pulled out of work and she said, take the summer off and try to relax and things like that. Well, what did I do? I finished grad school. I'm like, well, I can't. <laughs> Come on now. I finished grad school, but it was also at the same time, it allowed me, I think, between finishing school and then going through some self-reflection of, do I want to go back? What does that look like? I've really got to make some changes. And what really do I want to do? And at the same time I was doing that, I was also taking a program from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is all about teaching how to be a health coach, um, which was fantastic, more for my own growth than anything else, to realize that I think the first thing was I wasn't alone in my challenges of, you know, physically and mentally being in a better spot. So Danny, when I went back to work, I walked in with a whole new set of expectations for myself. I knew I had to have an exit strategy and I knew I needed to do something different and I kind of went back with this passion of, I just want to help women not go through what I've gone through, to help them be okay with who they are, and to help them understand that you don't have to live under this certain set of expectations, because at the end of the day, it's mentally and physically toxic to your body and your body will start breaking down. You know, they, they talk about this mind body connection. And I firmly believe that your mental health and living in those expectations deteriorates your body in ways that we just don't quite understand. I think we're starting to, but it's a huge journey to go through that. Absolutely. I think it's totally underrated how much we need to protect and take care of our mental health. Yep. There is definitely a lot more conversations happening right now. And we see so many businesses and tech startups rising and helping people yet. And so many places around the world, this is still a taboo. But when we talk about mental health, we simply imagine the very serious mental health conditions or diseases that we've known or heard of, but we don't realize how stress really impacts our day-to-day -day life. And, and also the beliefs that we have. I've had the experience with multiple depressions myself. And I know that the, the most recent one was simply an outcome of a very bad 
belief or almost an identity belief that has held me down. And it can literally wreak havoc on your life. Absolutely. Part of it, you know, I've really had to do a lot of soul searching about my identity being so closely tied to my career and what I did, not who I was. And so much of that is driven by a feeling that I'm not enough. You know, there's this whole feelings of I'm never good enough. I'm not enough. And the way I dealt with that was by work telling me I was enough and you do contribute and we're going to reward you. And by climbing that corporate ladder, as I did, it gave me that feeling of I am enough, but I didn't believe it inside. And, you know, that's still something I think, you know, I know I struggle with now, you know, going through the I am enough. I do have a lot to offer you know, the right partner, the right, the right relationship, the right career, so to speak, the right company. That's been a, a daily, I am enough, I am enough, I am enough. And I don't think, especially as women, we hear that enough. It's always, you have to be this, you have to be that. I mean, look at social media. And I know Danny and I have talked for the past couple of years about social media and what that is doing. Um, dare I say it's almost toxic to to certain to this upcoming generation you know i look at my two nieces that are three and one and i think how can i help them get through this image of this is what you're supposed to be for everything from looks to how you hold yourself to poise to getting the right man to driving the right car to living in the right house i mean it's all there and it's always in front of you in social media it's always right there and what you feed yourself is so important and i think when i figured out my why of helping women understand that they are enough that you don't have to live under this set of expectations and it's okay and then you know to talk through what do you enjoy doing how come do you feel this is what you're supposed to do or if this is what you enjoy doing and why? Thank you, Sarah. I feel like you're bringing so much of the unknown or yet known, but not spoken to the surface that women and everybody needs to hear. Now, there are a few things that you mentioned that I want to talk more about. And one of that is you potentially shifting with your identity is or what you believe your identity is. So how did you make that change or what was the pivoting moment when you realized that you don't have to be tied to your work performance? I think it was a couple of things. I'll tell you a little story to kind of tee this up. After I went back to work, after being on medical leave, I went back in knowing that I was going to leave at some point. And it took me a couple months to learn that or to make sure that I wasn't comfortable just going back into this work environment, that I knew I had a greater purpose and I knew I needed to do something different. I didn't know exactly what that was, (laughs) but I knew I needed to leave and I knew that it had to be relatively soon before I got sucked back into the corporate environment the way that I had been before. And I remember... I was kind of making a deal with God going, okay, so I kind of figured out my why, I kind of figure out what I want to do, but I have all these conditions first. I need to be financially secure. And in New York, that's not very easy because rent is so high and things like that. I'm like, okay, I'll leave if I get a bonus. And this was in, in, say, in January and bonus season was in March. I'm like, okay, I'll leave if I get bonus, if I get a bonus. Okay. I get a bonus. Well, you know, I'm not quite ready to leave yet. So... 
why don't I try to stick it out for a severance package? Because we were going through a lot of a lot of corporate restructuring and changes. And lo and behold, six weeks later, okay, what do you want to do? I was offered a severance package. I'm like, okay, great. But wait a minute. I'm not sure I'm ready to leave yet. So I'm in another deal with God. I'm like, well, maybe if they could just hire me as a consultant for, you know, a couple months, if I could walk into a consulting, a, a consulting gig. Lo and behold, here we are. My third request. God, you know, I'm making a deal. I'm making a deal. I'm making a deal. And finally, it was that third time where they kept me on as a consultant for a period of time. And it was amazing because I'm like, okay, I've made all these deals with God and here we go. It's now time for me to leave. And, you know, here it is the end of June and I'm getting ready to leave. <clears throat> and I'm the kind of person that even on my last day, you know, I was in the office and I was training this young gentleman because he was going to take over a piece of what I was doing and I transitioned everything else. And I'm in my office right in Midtown, Manhattan. And it's, you know, it's approaching six o'clock and tears have been welling up all day. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can leave. And, you know, most people at the company had been very gracious and, you know, it was time for me just to do something different. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was time. And it was funny because I still tear up when I, I share this is I'm literally at my desk and I'm, I'm turning off my computer and it's almost six o'clock and I'm getting ready to leave. And my phone rings, my desk phone rings and it was HR. And they're like, oh, I'm so glad you're still there. I just wanted to let you know that we found this additional executive compensation coming to you and you'll see that in your next paycheck. And at that point, it was kind of the icing on the cake where God says, I've given you every single thing that you've asked for. I now need you to go and do what I want you to do. You're ready for this. I've got you. Go and just do it. And so I remember leaving the building. Thank goodness we were on the sixth floor. And we're in the same building as Howard Stern. And I was just praying I didn't run into him in the elevator and I'm sobbing as I'm walking out the building. And I remember walking back to my apartment. It's about a 20 minute walk and I cried the whole way home. And, you know, in New York, people are like, yeah, whatever. Um, they don't really pay attention to you. But I remember getting home and going, I can do this. And it's been a journey that was four, uh, four years ago, just over four years ago. And it's been a challenge because... I was secure financially, but emotionally, I still had a lot of work to do. And I did start to do some consulting work. I set up my own firm, but I also started to really reach out to younger women. And I started to do a lot of volunteer work to help women understand that it's normal to feel hesitant. What you're feeling is normal. You don't have to live under a certain set of expectations, whether it be you have to have the perfect body, you have to have the perfect boyfriend, you have to have the perfect career. And I realized that I'd gone through it. And there's a saying out there of, you may not realize it, but your story is only going to help younger women. So get out there and share it. And I think as I'm, as I'm approaching 50, I just have this real passion for the younger women and those that I talk to, help them understand that it's okay to be human. It's okay not to have children. It's okay to enjoy your career. It's okay to want to go on a vacation. Don't identify too much with your career or with what you think people want. It's okay to be who you are. And that's kind of where I found myself, you know, and I tell myself that every day. It's okay to be exactly where you are and exactly who you are. Haters are going to hate, right? Isn't that what Taylor Swift said? Or uh, yeah, Taylor Swift said. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ending on a positive note. Wow, Sarah, I'm speechless. This is so powerful. You've gone through so much. And I love the story you shared about your last day and how you've been also paying attention to your intuition, right? You've been really listening to, hey, I've, I've asked God all of these things and he's given it to me. Even though I'm trying to hold on, I'm getting all of these signs that this is now for time for me to take care of myself, to do something that I'm passionate about without following other people's expectations or the expectations of what my life should look like. Because my life, my health matters, my fulfillment and well-being is worth that. And then you did and you made a giant leap. And that on its own is very uncomfortable. It's very scary and frightening. And yet you did that. You found that courage within you. And now you're helping so many women around you. And I'm and I'm so happy that you are because we need you. We need role models like you to learn from, from your experience, but also know that it's okay to pursue our dreams and wants, but at the same time, not compromise on what's really important to us. That's right. And it's it's funny because I went back, I got a call about two and a half years ago. I just been doing some smaller consulting roles in the project management space and change management. And I got a call about a, about two and a half years ago from a consulting firm and they said, Hey, you want to go do another acquisition? Be about six months. And I thought, I don't know if I want to get back into that world. I wasn't quite ready. I didn't know if I was strong enough. I didn't know if I was going to lose myself again. And, you know, I kind of hemmed and hawed and I said, okay, six months, great, fine, I'll do it. And it was challenging. The first six months, I questioned myself going, why are you doing this? What is this? You told yourself you weren't going to go back here again. (laughs) And I got to the point where it was a big shift for me because I had to change my perspective and understand that I'm actually still really good at what I do. And I actually really enjoy it. And I'm making a difference in these people's lives. And this is what I'm meant for. This is why I do what I do, because not only can I work in the corporate sector and I can help companies grow, I can help treat people with respect. You know, anybody who's been through a merger, acquisition, sale, divestiture, you name it, know it's always a challenge. There's so much uncertainty in where I can actually step in and say, you know, this is the deal. This is how we're going to function. And I enjoy it. I actually enjoy it. And so (laughs) over the past two and a half years, having gone back into that quote, corporate sector, doing what I actually really love to do, I've learned I'm okay. And I'm okay with that. And I can do that. And I can maintain my sense of self. And I can do what I enjoy. I don't have to have one or the other. I can be both. It doesn't come without constantly doing a gut check and going, am I losing myself? Am I identifying too much with this? It's constant work, but it gets easier over time as you become more real with who you are and what you're good at and what you enjoy doing and being okay with that. It makes a difference. It makes a difference mentally, which also translates physically. It makes a big difference. 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm just so happy for you, for you having found your center your point where you can be both happy as well as fulfilled and you can live the life you want which is something that so many of us aspire to and yet we're we're struggling right and your point it's never really perfect you continue to evolve it make it better there are hard days there are good days and that's part of the package it is that is you couldn't have said it any better 
that is part of the package. You know, I'm at a point now where I don't have a consulting engagement right now. And I go through days of doubt. I go through days, even now, it never completely goes away, but you just learn to deal with it better. You learn how to manage your emotions. You learn when to go, hey, wait a minute, I got to do a gut check. I'm not in a healthy space. Okay, time out. <laughs> it's funny. My significant other always tells me, dude, just do something different. And I'm like, but what does that look like? You know, it's part, again, part of my nature. Um, I want it in black and white and I want it clear and I want to be able to plan. And it's it never is what you think. It's just trying something different, doing something different. And that for me is what I'm going through right now is I'm doing something different. It's time to start blogging again. It's time to start, you know, reconnecting as we're able to get back with, you know, with clients in, in a more personal setting. Zoom is okay, but having that one-on-one -on -one with folks is, is definitely where I thrive. So it's kind of a good time for me to have had the summer to be patient, to be quiet, and again, to check in with my faith and to go, you know, you've got this. You absolutely do. <laughs> so now following on what you said, as you are in this time of self-reflection and again, focusing on doing something different, doing something that inspires you and, and fulfills you, and I'm going to give you this little plug, are you interested in taking new clients yourself? You know, I am... I, I always love to work with new clients. I would love to continue to work with clients. I would take new clients, um, both in the, both in the corporate consulting sector as well as the coaching. And the coaching is really, I love that. I love the coaching. I love working with the individuals. But I will say, I'm not an easy coach. If you think I'm going to do the work for you, uh-uh, I'm not the right coach for you. What I do is I actually work with folks and I, I support them, but I don't do the work for them. We talk a lot about SMART goals. I take a lot of what I do in my corporate consulting practice and I apply it on the coaching side. You know, we talk about SMART goals, you know, the very specific and measurable and time-bound goals on, hey, listen, if you want to lose weight, you know, I do, I do a combination of career, wellness, and health coaching. You know, if you come to me and you say, I want to lose 20 pounds, I'm going to help you come up with a plan. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to give you resources. I'm going to be your biggest champion. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to feed you and I'm not going to put that spoon in your mouth. That's on you. But I'll be your biggest champion to do it and how to do it and teach you what to look for and how to do that. Same thing on the career side. I can't go to work with you every day, but I can certainly be here to listen to say, hey, you've got this challenging situation. Give some thought to this. Try this. Try something a little bit different and just listen. And that's when I approach my coaching, it's a little bit different, but that's how I do it. And I would love to love to work with more, more young women, young men. You know, I've got twin brothers. We're almost 20 years apart. And I love talking to them because they bring such a different perspective to today's workforce and love working with that age. It's great. Incredible. Yes. And my question was related to coaching. So where can people find you? If people are interested, want to know more about you, where can they find you? You can find me at empowerchangenyc.com. Excellent. Excellent. Any social media or any, any preference there? Absolutely. Same handle. Um, I'm on Instagram at EmpowerChangeNYC and Facebook. And I'm not a big Twitterer, Twitter, tweeter. <laughs> I'm not really, I don't do a lot of Twittering, but um, you can also find me at Sarah at EmpowerChange.com if you want to shoot me an email. Fantastic, Sarah. I am so thankful for you to take the time to share your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for um, allowing my voice to be heard. I really appreciate that very exciting. Absolutely. Your voice needs to be heard. And that goes for everybody. There's no 
voice that is too small. That's right. We all play an important role in this world. So I guess with that being said, I want to thank everybody who has listened to this episode. Sir is amazing. Go look her up and come back again next week. We'll be back with another episode. Thank you, everybody. What a conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me and most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day. Thank you.